Hey, hey, Podrishners. Welcome to this week's episode of Dropping Sunday. We got a little something different for you this week. A couple weeks ago, uh, Seth spoke at our church, and it was a really great message, so we thought you might want to hear it. Um, just a couple of notes. We're still not here to get you saved or tick you off, although if either of those things happen, we definitely want to know about it. Uh, this is a podcast for Christians by Christians, but you don't have to believe to belong. So uh, real quick, Seth. How's your heart? My heart is full of excitement and anxiety um, at the same time. I don't know if anybody's ever been there. Uh, usually whenever I bring uh, any type of lesson or, or sermon or anything else like that, what I love to do is I love to kind of dive into Bible stories. Um, I really love just digging in and going line by line, verse by verse, and just pulling it apart and seeing what's in there. The word of the Lord never returns void, so I never have to worry about if I'm going to do a good job or not, because God kind of takes care of that. Um, tonight, I'm going to do something a little bit different, and, uh, and, I'm, and I'm nervous about it, because when I do a Bible story, I get to hide from you guys, because it's not about me, it's about the word. But tonight, I'm going to tell my story and it's a, it's a vulnerable story. I will cry. I will try not to. I will try my hardest, but I definitely am going to. Um, so uh, it's truth. Um, so it's not my full life story. It's not my full testimony. We don't have all night to, to go through all of that. And also, um, you guys don't want to hear my therapy. So, um, but I really hope that the description of my narrative can help you guys find some sort of applicable encouragement for your journey. So what we're going to do is we're going to read some scripture, and then we're going to pray, and then we'll get to work. Sound good? All right, Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. It says, I do not mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Tonight, I am going to tell <clears throat> about the seven lessons that I learned running a Disney marathon. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I need your help because this is just a weird way to start. Um, it's a story. It's my story. It's what you've taken me through. And, uh, and I just need your help. So God, I pray that you would open up the hearts and minds of the listeners, that you would open up my heart and mind to say the things that you would want me to say. And God, if I say anything wrong, I pray that your spirit would block it from the listener. But I, gotta, I pray that you would uh, give somebody encouragement through what we talk about tonight. I pray this in your name. Amen. So I know how this is going to sound because anytime like, uh, I mean, if you say like, hey, I ran a marathon, it feels like it's already a pat on the back. Can we be honest? It's hard to see everybody because I got the sun right in my eyes, but it's okay. It, be, be loud. You can talk back. You can move. It kind of feels like a pat on the back. kind of feels like a humble brag. Is, is that fair? I got um, my buddy Chase in the back. He's definitely nodding. I appreciate that. So um, it, it does feel that way. So let me just put everything at ease. I'm not good. Uh, I, I'm very slow. I, I, this is not a, a huge accomplishment for, for anybody. I didn't like win a prize or anything, Okay. Just, we'll just start there. Also, I hate to run. Uh, so if that's any con consolidation, I absolutely hate running. I hate running. Anybody hate running? Anybody? Anybody hate exercise of any shape or form? 
All right, so why, why run then? Uh, that's fair enough. In October of 2020, I got diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Uh, the, the pandemic hit our house in a way uh, a little different. I, uh, I like Swiss cake rolls. Anybody else love Swiss cake rolls or any kind of cake? Anybody cake fans, pie fans? So when the pandemic happened, what we decided in our family was <laughs> life is short, eat what you want. And uh, things went sideways for me. I don't know if you guys, it was a good time to not come to church because nobody could see that how fast. I was getting. I was very large. I was a very large man. I got very, very big. And so I went to the doctor and the doctor said, Seth, this is a problem. And I said, yeah, I know. I need to fix it. She goes, no, 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 you don't understand. Um, You're full blownsies. You're like type two diabetic and we have to put you on medication and get this right. And I said, okay, I tried this one medication and it didn't do well for my system. And, uh, and so I decided to do something I'd never done in my life before, physical activity. And so I don't know, um, I, like for real, I'd never done anything physical in my life. I was in middle school. I was in, I was in choir in high school. I was in choir and youth group. I never did any kind of sports, which is nice because as a 40-year-old, it means my knees aren't blown. So that's good. Okay, I'm hearing some chuckles from some 40-plusers, and you know exactly what I mean. I didn't, have, uh, I didn't like, have football to beat my body down, so I was like, okay, you know? Uh, and so I started to do this dumb physical activity called running, and on January 28th, 2021, I went for a walk. That's what I did. And I started a program called Couch to 5K. It's literally, it takes you from your couch to be able to run a 5K. And I've never done, never done a 5K before, and I just tried this program before. I'd get about three weeks in and feel real good about myself and then just stop. And so, um, so but that's what I did. And so that was what, uh, that's what it looked like for me. I, uh, I'd signed up for a race with a buddy of mine from church. His, uh, his name is uh, Andrew Klein. He, uh, and on May 1st, 2021, I completed my first ever 5K. That is 3.1 miles. That's a long way. Yeah? It's a good time. Good, absolutely applaud. That was hard work. Took three months to get there, you know. Um, I promise I'm going to get to scripture. Just stay with me, everybody. So I had a, an encouraging friend at work at my job that I have now, and he um, and he encouraged me. This guy looks kind of like me. He's a tall fella. Um, I, I I don't think that he'd be too offended if uh, he hears me say that he's a little doughy like I am. You know, little little doughy. It happens. Um, and this cat has uh, he turns 50 here in a couple years. He's run over 40 marathons, and he's working to get to 50 before he turns 50. And he looks like me. And I'm like, wow. And he's just encouraging me every step of the way. Keep going, keep going, keep going, you know? Um, And uh, when I started, um, I was actually on stage one Sunday. And during praise and worship, I got a text message from one of my friends like, what are you doing, man? Like, you're you're losing weight. And I was like, I'm just running. And he says, okay, well, I'm going to do that too. And so we started doing that. And then a couple other guys in church started doing it. And so now I've got a, there's a group of probably about five or six guys that are all on one text thread and we all run, not together because we all have different paces, we all have different problems, you know, um, but, uh, but we, we all run and encourage each other. One of those guys is uh, Pastor Shaler. You guys know Pastor Shaler, our youth pastor? If I told you that he was an elite runner, would anybody believe me? You should. That joker can run, but you want to know what he couldn't do when he started, when he saw me running? He couldn't run. He was slow. He, uh, he, he's bad. He was, he was in bad shape. I don't think that he has a problem with me telling. If he does, who cares? Um, <laughs> just the way that it is. That joker was slow, but he started running. And um, him and my, our friend uh, Ryan Edwards, who goes to church here, for my 40th birthday last year, 
went to, uh, we went to, we flew out to Las Vegas. We got on a bus. We went three hours into the middle of the desert. They dropped us off at a black mailbox at Area 51 at midnight, and we ran the extraterrestrial highway and completed our first ever half marathon. So my 40th birthday, I completed a half marathon. That's 13 miles, guys. It's a long, long way. And I got this harebrained idea. If I can do a half, I surely can do a full, right? Right? That makes sense. That makes sense. It doesn't make any sense. It's a long way. Don't do it. But I know, okay, I can do it. And uh, if I was going to do a marathon anywhere, it was going to be at Disney World. Because Disney World has a marathon. I don't know if you know that or not. It's kind of cool. Shaler and I decided that we were going to sign up for the Disney World Marathon. Now, why Disney World? Why did it have to be Disney World? It had to be Disney World. I'm not going to do a marathon anywhere else. It has to be Disney World. Why? It's because Disney World has a very special place in my heart. This is where things start to get vulnerable, and I already feel the emotion, and no, we're going to tamp it back down. But Disney World has a very special place in my heart. Um... It was the week before Jillian started kindergarten. She's in sixth grade now, or about to be in seventh. The week before Jillian started kindergarten, um, I got laid off from a job. It was a very challenging way to get laid off. Uh, the guy who was the owner of the company, who was my direct supervisor, um, he was an atheist when I started working for the company. I helped walk him through his faith walk to get to know Jesus. And, and we would, uh, it went from him questioning me about what I believe to then questioning me what he heard his pastor say on Sunday and us kind of growing that relationship together. And he had to lay me off because uh, just because you become a Christian doesn't mean you're good at business. Fair. Um, it's truth. Thank you for laughing, but it's also truth. And, uh, and then uh, the, he did something a little different and he kind of made up some stuff so he wouldn't have to pay unemployment, not the most Christian thing. And it, I had a real crisis of faith because here's this guy who I got to like lead, help lead to Jesus and now he's lying about me. And it was a challenge for me. So I started working another job because you got to, I was a sole income. I had to work another job and I found my dream job. Anybody ever, everybody work a dream job where you're like, oh, this is what I was created to do. I love this job. And I did that job and did it really, really well. And Jill's graduation was on a Friday, kindergarten graduation. And that day I got a call from my boss and I got laid off for my second job in 10 months. It's a real challenge. I went from having a crisis of faith to having a crisis of hope. Because, see, I, I didn't have a crisis of faith. I knew Jesus loved me. I knew, I, I knew that he loved me. I, I had no questions about that. I knew who he was. And I had strong, strong faith there. My problem was I had a problem with hope that I thought that Jesus just didn't like me anymore. thought that the thing that he gave me that was perfect for me, that he made me for, he took away from me. And so, obviously, he doesn't want good things from me. I'm not going to ask if you've ever felt that way, but I have a feeling that somebody at least has. And I went through a very, very dark time in my life. I took a job that I hated. Anybody ever take a job that you hate? Yeah. I called my dad one day and I said, Dad, what is it? Uh, what, is it okay to work a job that you hate if it pays the bills? And he said, yeah, that's called a job. I don't know what the question is. I don't understand. I don't, I don't get it, you know? And so I, I worked this job that I hated, and, I, and in the interview process, I met this guy whose name was Todd Foster. It's important that you remember his name, Todd Foster. 
And he, uh, he hired me to work underneath him at this company. And it was a job that I absolutely hated. I took a 40% pay cut. That's a lot. I took a 40% pay cut. And I started grinding it out. And I went to a very, very dark, dark place. Because my entire life, my identity was caught up in what I could achieve. And God took my achievement and said, even though you did well, I'm taking everything away. And now you have to grind it out. Deal with it. I was in a dark place. I was. I went through really, really bad depression. I still showed up every Sunday. I still worshiped God. I still was in the right place doing the right things. But I prayed and God didn't take it away. I did the work and God didn't take it away. And I ended up at a doctor's appointment. And my doctor looked at me and she goes, so how are things going? And in a moment of honesty, I said, not good and started weeping. <laughs> she said, Seth, I think we need to put you on an antidepressant. I said, no, I don't like that. I'm against it. I feel bad about that. And we had a long conversation. And she said, were you raised in the church? Yes. And she said, have you prayed, prayed about this? Yes. She said, has God healed you? I said, no. She said, what we're going to do is we're going to put you on a little short-term medication. It's not going to be the rest of your life. You need to get the fog cleared out of your brain so that God can do a work in you. But right now, God can't work because your head is too full of fog. I was like, okay. And so that's exactly what happened. Great. I went on Paxil. I'll, I'll just tell you. It was great. It, it, was, it absolutely it cleared up my brain, and God began to do a work on me, and he began to heal me of my heart, uh, the heart hurt, the, the pain, the, the things that I went through as a child that really affected everything. And, and, and God began to do a work, and he began to heal me little by little. Well, cut to a year later. It's the summer between uh, Jill's first and second grade, and she's turned seven, and we had always said, we're going to go to Disney World for her seventh birthday. We couldn't afford it, because remember, 40% pay cut, okay? Couldn't afford it. We put the whole thing on a credit card, don't do that. And so we, we put the whole thing on a credit card, and we said, this is what we're going to do. And for her seventh birthday, I got to take my little girl to Disney World and dress her up as Belle and put a crown on her head and call her a princess and let her have dinner at Cinderella's royal table. She got to meet all the princesses and have an amazing thing, amazing experience in her life. But Julie said something different. My wife, she said that when I walked down Main Street and I saw Cinderella's castle, she said, your posture changed. I didn't understand it. I really didn't understand that uh, at that moment. But we had just a magical week. <laughs> I mean, Disney's magic, you know? It's like we had a magical week. We did. And... And I remember on the last day, we were walking down from the barnstormer in the circus area. We're walking down past Tomorrowland Speedway into Tomorrowland. And the Holy Spirit checks me. And he says, hey, buddy, how you doing? And I said, I'm great. I haven't been this happy in years. This is amazing. Holy Spirit said, why do you think that is? I said, well, obviously, I'm in the happiest place on earth. You can't be depressed in the happiest place on earth. He said, think again, bud. And I looked at my family and I saw the smiles plastered on their face. And I realized I didn't do that. I didn't achieve this. I didn't make a ton of money and take a cool vacation because I accomplished something. I'm in debt over this. But my family's happy. And because of that, I'm happy. That's all I needed. And in that moment, God stripped away my ambition. He stripped away my pride. He stripped away everything. And I began to weep. 
I can still take you to the bench where I sat down with my family and cried. You know, Pastor Dan talked about that this past week. I don't know if you guys remember this or not. In Genesis, um, Genesis chapter 13, verse three and four says, um, and he, his is Abram, journeyed on from Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been, had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai to a place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. See, I'm not saying that Disney World is a church. I'm not saying that Walt Disney is my pastor, and I'm not saying that Mickey Mouse is my idol. But I am telling you that there is a bench that has become my altar. And I've been back several times, and I go sit at that bench, and I remember the work that God has done. It reminds me of a movie. There's an old Disney movie, 1973, Robin Hood. Anybody remember this movie? It's where he's a fox. Anybody? You guys not at all? That's okay. I was also raised Baptist and we didn't watch it either. So, um, but definitely watched it. It was the only movie I watched as a kid. (laughs) It's the only Disney movie we were allowed. So, um, the movie starts off with Skippy, who's a little, uh, little rabbit and it's his birthday. And, uh, and his family saves up. They're very poor and they save up and they give him one gold coin and that's his treasure. That's his present. And as soon as they do, the sheriff of Nottingham comes over and actually steals that from him. Well, Robin Hood shows up and he robs from the rich and gives to the, thank you very much. So he robs from the sheriff and he gives the, the uh, money back to this family, but he doesn't just do that. He also gives Skippy his hat. And the rest of the movie, Skippy gets to act like Robin Hood. And he, you'll never get me, mean old Prince John. I mean, hey, listen, it's fine. It was a good, that was a good, that was not a bad, you know, uh, it's fine. So um, he does that and he, he walks around bold like Robin Hood and he, and he acts like Robin Hood the entire time, right? You guys remember this, anybody? Yeah. And there's this time when Robin is in a big battle and he's on top of the castle and the castle's on fire and Robin jumps off the castle and into the water and Skippy can't find Robin anywhere. And he gets really emotional. He starts crying and then Robin pops out of the water and Skippy jumps in his arms and they look at each other. And there's a still image from this 1973 movie that has captured me where they look at each other because it's what Jesus did for me. See, when I, I almost lost it. I did good. The enemy came in and he took my treasure. But God showed up and he not only restored my treasure, but he put a new head covering on me. He gave me a new identity and he allows me to act like him. He allows me to live in his righteousness. He allows me to, to, to have his boldness. And, and beyond that, when I thought he was gone forever, He popped up out of nowhere and surprised me with his presence. And he held me and he looked in my eyes. Robin Hood means a lot to me. I may have a half-sleeve tattoo of that that picture. I, I fully do. I'll show you sometime. Okay. Um, it's little, it's legit. It's a full half-sleeve tattoo of that image from that, because it means that much to me. God did restore me completely, 
So obviously, if I'm going to run this race, because when you run a race at Disney, you get to dress up like characters. Who am I going to dress up as? Yeah, so you guys want to see what I wore? I'll ask again. You guys want to see what I wore? Okay, great. Okay, cool. So here was my shirt. Okay. So, and it has the, uh, has the arrows on back, right? There's my shirt. Um, and then here was my hat that I wore. It's a green hat with a red feather, right? Excellent. Yeah. And I got to run that entire race in the remembrance of what God did for me. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? Okay. Let's, let's, let's keep going. So, um, Disney races are a lot of fun. They, they're, just, they're just a lot of fun. So Shaler did what's called the Dopey Challenge. He did a 5K, 10K, half marathon, and full marathon in consecutive days. That's dumb. We're not going to talk about him. He's stupid. So um, I signed up for the full marathon. That, that, that's, that was good enough. And, and, and so, but uh, Natalie, his wife, actually showed up and, and rode uh, and, and did the half marathon with him. And she came and picked us up from, uh, from our hotels that we were staying off campus. She picked us up and dropped us off on race day. And Natalie was a lot of fun. She was uh, very encouraging. She was saying that, you know, hey, you know, the first couple of days we came out here, it looked like a lot of people that, you know, probably maybe shouldn't be running a race, but, you know, might have fun. You guys following me? Like non-fit people. And then she goes, um, today, everybody's fit and like ready to run. Are you guys going to be okay? And I took offense to that question because it meant that she thought that we weren't going to be okay. And she was probably right. Um, but these races, are, these races are a ton of fun. Uh, every time a corral goes past the starting line, there's fireworks. About every mile or so, there's a character that you can meet. Uh, there's bands playing. There's just all kinds of stuff. There, it's just, it, it's, it, you run through every park. Isn't that cool? Like you start off at Epcot, and then you run up to Magic Kingdom, and then you have kind of a long slog down to Animal Kingdom, and then you kind of move over. You do Hollywood Studios. You run through Hollywood Studios. You usually kind of run across the boardwalk back into Epcot, and that's where you finish. It's 26.2 miles. It's a long day, but it's a lot of fun. So here's the thing. Shaler is a lot faster than me. And I'm going to remind you, he didn't start running until after me. This offends me. I started running first. And he's faster. And he's better. All right, lesson number one. You guys ready? Long preamble, but hopefully it's worth it. Lesson number one. People who start after you sometimes pass you. People who start after you sometimes pass you. Has anybody ever experienced that? You know, there was, a, <laughs> there was these people in Genesis that did. Genesis 37, verses 5 through 8. says, now Joseph had a, oh, no, I'm going to skip down to verse 9. Uh, Joseph dreamed another dream and told his brothers and said, behold, I have dreamed another dream. Good for you. Uh, behold, the sun, the moon, and, and, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. But when he told his father and his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves on the ground before you? Here was the youngest. And he was saying, ah, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to be the biggest. And he was. But how did his brothers feel about it? Man, they wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill him. Some of them even tried. If it wasn't for one of his brothers, probably would have. But even his dad what are you doing? What are you saying? You're coming after me. You can't be better than me. 
Have you ever experienced this at work? Somebody gets hired and you have more experience, you have more tenure, but they might have just a little bit more something else. And all of a sudden they get the shine and you don't. Have you ever experienced that? Let me ask you a question. You ever experienced, um, you ever experienced this where a new believer comes in and all of a sudden is on fire for God and God's using them and you go, wait a minute, what happened? Be honest. Have you ever seen some, listen, I, I've been saved 35 years. And sometimes somebody comes up and they've been saved about 35 minutes and all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, what are you doing? Don't you know I've been going through this? Okay, I'm the only one. Cool, y'all don't have to be honest. That's cool. But there's a racing axiom that says your race, your pace. If it's your race, you get to run your pace. You don't have to run everybody else's pace. Sometimes people are going to be faster than you. They're going to achieve things before you do. They're going to get to a level that you're, that you're not ready for yet. They're going to go faster than you. And that is okay because I don't want to move at their speed. I want to move at God's speed. Whatever the speed of God is in my life, that's the speed I want to move at. I don't have to run as fast as Shaler. If I tried, you know what would happen? My heart would explode. I know I've tried because I was like, he, he, I can't do it. I can't. Are you guys with me? So what is our responsibility when someone who was behind us passes us? What is it our, what's our responsibility? Our responsibility is to encourage them to keep running. You are doing great. Keep going. It's not to be proud of where you're at, and it's not to feel jealous and covet where they're going. It's to encourage them to keep going because God has something different for them than he has for you. All right? Transversely, what is our responsibility if we find, our one, find ourselves being the ones that pass someone else? What's our, what's our responsibility? To encourage them to keep running. I, I, I may be here. You're doing great. Keep going. Keep, keep going. Shaler was literally miles ahead of me. Literally miles ahead of me. You know what he would do? He would call me up and he would be like, Seth, you're not going to believe it. Jiminy Cricket. Jiminy Cricket. You're going to see Jiminy Cricket. Isn't that cool? All right, lesson number two. Listen to those who have already been there. Listen to the people who've already been there. Hey, you know, we started in, in Genesis. Let's flip all the way to Revelation. Revelation chapter 21, verses one through five. It says, then I saw. He's already been there. John the Revelator's already been there. Then I saw. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice coming from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Verse 5, and then he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Don't just see where you're at. 
Tell the people who can't see where they're going. Take the time to let people know what is coming in front of them and encourage them. And listen to the people who have been there before you. And that, 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 sorry, that was just one of those things that jumped out. I thought it was a good one. Okay, um, let's, uh, let's keep going. I remember one thing that he's, he did call. It's so cool. He calls me up. And there's this, listen, he, it sounds really cool when I break it down really quick that you run through these parks. But between Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom, there's about like a seven to eight mile slog. It's tough. There's nothing exciting other than a couple character stops. There's porta potties. That's good. Um, but there's just a lot of work. It's, it's, it's the work part of the race. When you're done with that, literally there's people in Magic Kingdom saying the hard part's over. Keep going. Because then it's just park, 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 and you're done. Okay? But there's this long slog. And I'm at mile 12, and Shaler calls me, and he says, your dreams are about to come true. And I said, where are you? I didn't have to ask him anything else. Where are you? He said, I'm at mile 15. I said, awesome. And he hung up. And at mile 15, I got to meet Robin Hood and Little John. And in the most meta moment of my entire life, I showed Robin Hood my tattoo of Robin Hood while dressed like Robin Hood. I'm just saying. It was insane. It was absolutely insane. It was a magical, magical, magical moment. Lesson number three. You guys ready for lesson number three? Forget the miles, remember the magic. Forget the miles, remember the magic. There's two types of people in the world. There are people who focus on the magic and people who focus on the miles. In Numbers chapter 13, the children of Israel are about to have to take over the land of Canaan and, and some spies were sent out to see, hey, what's it like over there? This is what it says. At verse uh, 25, and at the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land and they came to Moses and Aaron, to all the congregation of people of, uh, of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Katesh. And uh, they brought back word with them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, we came to the land to which you sent us and it flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. They hold up this big fruit, you know. However, 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 the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we, we saw some descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of Nebeg. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and, and along the Jordan. It's a great place. It's super cool. However, look at the next verse. But Caleb, isn't that cool? But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. There's two kinds of people in the world, the howevers and the but Caleb's, the people who focus on the miles and the people who focus on the magic. Have you ever like seen somebody and been like, man, why is their life so together? Don't they have the same life that like, don't they have the same problems in life that I do? Anybody like, can we just be honest? Anybody just like, like, why, like, do they not have life? Are they not running the same race as I am? I mean, are we not doing life? What's, well, how is this possible? 
I'm going to argue that it's possible because they're focusing on the magic and not the miles. Life happens to everyone, but some people focus on how hard each mile is and other people find the mile and the magic in every mile. And life can be hard. There's this one a part of the race that's super hard. It's, uh, and it's hard for me because just my, it's just a mindset thing that uh, you're kind of going towards Animal Kingdom and you turn off this road and you're going a back road into the back door of Animal Kingdom, okay? And the people who have already run through Animal Kingdom are coming the other way. You're on the same road, but you're going opposite directions, and you see these people coming at you. And, and the, every step you take, you realize that's a step I'm going to have to take back the other way. <laughs> and so it just kind of messes with your brain a little bit. Um, it's really cool, though, like when you get into Animal Kingdom, if the ride's open and you have enough time and you're feeling, feeling saucy, you can actually ride Everest and then get off of the ride and get back into the, 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 the race, which is kind of cool. I, I wasn't feeling saucy. And um, I was nervous. I wasn't going to complete it. You know, I didn't want to sit down for a minute. What are we going to do? And so, uh, so I, I, I get off and, uh, and, and I, I come out of Animal Kingdom and I start running back the other way. And I realized that all of those people that were so discouraging me, in that moment, I was discouraging them. I felt bad. And I started just encouraging them like, hey, keep going. It's good. It's good. Lesson number four. Sometimes you end up in the same place going the opposite direction. Anybody ever like go home, whatever home looks like for you? You ever show up at Christmas or birthday or Thanksgiving and realize that you're back in the same place, but you ain't in the same place. You are in a new place. Something is different about you, but all these other people have kind of stayed the same. Anybody else? where you just feel the challenge of like, I know what God is doing in my life. I know the blessing that he's causing for me. I know what's happening. And I don't feel like anybody else is really on the same path as I am. Does anybody, can can we be honest that that's happened? It happened to Jesus. In the gospel of Mark, chapter six, verses one through six, it says, He went away from there and he came to his hometown and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who had heard him were astonished saying, where did this man get these things? What is this wisdom given to him? And how are such mighty works done by his hands? Is this, isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon and are, are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to him, a prophet is not without honor, except, except in his hometown and among his relatives in his own household. And he could do no mighty works there except lay his hand on a couple of sick people and he healed them. By the way, if you're one of the sick people, that's a mighty work, right? And he marveled because of their unbelief. Jesus was marveled at the unbelief of the people because he was in a different place than when he had left them. He had started his ministry and he was going towards the cross. And these people weren't ready for the cross yet. But you can't expect people to understand the journey that they haven't gone on. So I'm going to challenge you guys, don't judge them. If they're still moving, encourage them to keep moving. You can't say, why aren't you where I'm at? Because they haven't gone through what you've been through. 
Some of you need to hear that for your family. Uh, some of you need to hear it also as, as grace for yourself. You, aren't, you haven't gone through what other people have gone through. And that's why you're not where they are. It's okay. Keep moving. It feels like you're going against each other in those moments, doesn't it? Doesn't it feel like there's animosity where you're literally like running against each other? Does it, right? And the thing is, is that they're still moving and they're still going in the right direction. It's just, you're in a different place. You're just in a different place. You have a different perspective than what they have. Perspective is so important. Changes everything. There are some people who would stand on the sidelines and they would shout out to me. You're doing great, Peter. Keep going, Peter. You're doing wonderful, Peter. Almost there, Peter. Because I was wearing a green hat and a red feather. And they called me Peter. And the people that I was running the race with would look at me and they would say, aren't you Robin? And I would say, yes, thank you. Thank you for realizing. Lesson number five. People on the sidelines don't get to define you. The people who are on the sidelines do not get to define you. The only people that get to speak to who you are are the people who are running with you. The voices of your past don't get to tell you who you are. The people on the periphery, they don't get to tell you who you are. The people who refuse to step off of the sidelines and get into the race and run it with you do not get to tell you who you are. The people you want to be listening to are the people who have gotten off the sidelines, have been willing to pick up the burden of your race and run it with you step by step. Those people get to remind you of who the Bible says that you are. What does the Bible say about you? In 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, it says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people. It's a weird thing. You weren't even people. But now you're God's people. You know what that says? It says that you are chosen, you are royal, you are holy, and you are his. You are strong, says Psalm 28, 7 and 8. You are not alone, Isaiah 41, 10. You are protected, 1 John 5, 18. You have a purpose, Ephesians 2, 10. You are free, John 8, 36. You are reconciled, 2 Corinthians 5, 20. You are a child of God, John 1, 12. You are loved, John 3, 16. Isaiah 43, 1 and 2 says, But now, thus saith the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you, look, when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. He says that you are redeemed. You belong to him. And get this, you can do hard things like running the race of this life. You can do those hard things. You will not fail. You can walk through the waters and not drown. You can walk through the fires and not burn. You can run this race without falling down. You can do hard things. So don't let others define you because they will never understand what it took to get to where you are today. 
Yes, the Disney Marathon was on January 9th, 2022. But that's not when the race started. You guys understand that, right? It, the, the gun went off at 5 a.m. That's not when the race started. The race started on January 28th, 2021, when I got off the couch and I went for a walk. That's when the race started. I ran 600 miles in 2021 to get ready for the 26 that I would that I would run in January of 2022. People don't know the work that you've put in. They don't know what you've been through. They don't know the hard times that you've made it happen. Lesson number six, achievement is the acknowledgement of the work that's already been done. You guys want to see what I got? I'll show you. So here's my medal. This is my achievement medal. It's got uh, Mickey on it. And then if you spin it around like a hubcap spinners, it's got, uh, it's got Minnie on the other side. I keep it on the Mickey side for me. I just like that one more. That's my, that's my medal. That's what I got. Isn't that cool? It's a really cool medal. It really is. It's, it's, it's all, it's the coolest medal I've got. I've got lots of them. This one's the coolest. Okay. Um, but it, you know what it means? It means that I'd put in 626 miles, not 26. It's the 600 miles that I ran before that, right? Um, let me ask, if I invited someone to say, hey, tomorrow morning I'm going to get up and I'm going to do 26.2 miles. I've already got the route planned out. We can take all day. We'd run. We could walk. Who's ready to go tomorrow? Anybody? You guys are ready to go 26.2? Let's go! Yeah, it'll, it, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you, it's, uh, it's still a long way. Um, still a really long way. Doesn't matter if you walk or run it, it's still a really long way. You have to be persistent in the work, even if you don't feel like it, to get ready for the task that you have to do. If you want the achievement, you got to put in the work beforehand. And that's okay, because in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, and let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. See, I've got small kids. Uh, they've got to go to school. And so the only way that I can get my miles in is to wake up at 5.30. I've got to lay out my kit the night before. I get dressed. I go do the miles. I come in sweaty. I wake up the children while I'm sweaty. I let them know that I love them. And to get up and get ready, I go take a shower, get dressed for work. By the time I come out, they're ready to go to school. I drop them off at school and I go to work. That's how that goes. He goes, yep, he knows how to get those miles in. The long runs are a different thing altogether. Sometimes I get up at 2 a.m. so I can get the miles in so I can still make it to a floor hockey game or a ballet recital because it's, it's time to do it, right? It's the only way to do it. And here's the thing. I travel a lot for work. I travel a lot for work, a, a lot. And you know what's great is sleeping in in hotel beds. It's great because there's no children. Uh, you, you, can, you, can just, you, can, you can keep the curtains closed and it's dark. You can just sleep as long as you want. You know what's really hard to do is to run and do that at the same time. So I'll tell you that I didn't just run in Fort Worth in 2021. I also ran in Dallas. And I also ran in Denton. And I also ran in Austin and in Houston and in San Antonio. And I ran in Memphis and New Orleans and Little Rock and Jackson, Mississippi and a Gulfport, Mississippi. That's probably my favorite place because it's right there on the beach. And that's a lot of fun. I've put in tons of miles in hotel treadmills and those are the worst. I hate hotel treadmills. 
I've run through a lot of campgrounds with my family because we would go camping and on vacation. I'm taking vacation, so I only need to do nine miles today. And I've run through lots of campgrounds. Now, this isn't me patting myself on the back. and I'm trying to paint a picture for sometimes in life, the hard things that we want to accomplish means that we have to put in the work beforehand. And you see somebody's achievement and you go, man, I want to do that. I want to do 26.2. Only 1% of the world has done it. And I want to do it too. And then you go, okay, great. Spend a year running. Uh, I want that promotion. All right, show up early. I want more of God. Pray. Well, I want to be able to preach. Read your Bible. Do you see what what I'm saying? It takes the work beforehand. It's very rare that God's just like, hey, you come preach and you know nothing. And like, that's how people get hurt. (laughs) That's how people get hurt. And just like if you ladies who say, yeah, let's go to Barho, guess what you're going to be doing at the end of tomorrow? Hurt. You're going to be doing hurt. All things hurt. I'm going to guarantee you all things hurt. It's true. Everything hurts. So there's, but there's a difference in between um, uh, achievement and accountability. Can we talk about accountability real quick? I have a hard time with the word accountability because I have PTSD from youth group. Um, is that p- accountability is not sitting around with a bunch, of, uh, a bunch of people and you all telling your dirt and the sins that you committed that day. That's not accountability. Don't tell my youth pastor that. But not this youth pastor, my youth pastor. Don't tell him that, but for sure. Um, let me tell you what accountability looks like for us. There's a group uh, text message with a bunch of guys uh, in the church and we encourage each other to go run. A couple of weeks ago, we were actually saying, hey, we need to sign up for a race to run together uh, so that we can have some accountability and move towards that same goal together. And I got so excited just from us talking about a race that I went home on a Sunday night because they were all talking about it during prayer meeting because they didn't show up to prayer meeting because they don't love Jesus. And so they... Um, I got so excited. I went home from prayer meeting. I put the kids in bed and I went and ran four and a half miles. I was so excited. That's what accountability is supposed to do. Guys, we're going to work together and you go, yes, I'm going to go first. That's accountability. So one of my accountability partners doesn't go to this church. He's the guy I told you to remember at the beginning, Todd Foster. Todd, he, uh, He's the guy who works at the job that I work at now that's run 40 marathons. He's also the guy that interviewed me for the dark time job, the time when I was in my depression and I needed something to pay bills. He's the guy who interviewed me. See, two years later, after that, he calls me up and neither one of us were working for that company anymore. And he says, hey, I just I think I'm going to get this job at this place and they need somebody in Texas and you're perfect for it. That's the job that I started three years ago. He's my coworker. He encourages me every day. We talk every day. He's encouraged me to run. He did all of those things. And that accountability, I didn't understand it at the time, but I went, if I didn't go through that dark time at that job that I hated, I wouldn't have met Todd, who would have got me into the job that is actually my dream job today. I'm living my best life, guys. I really am. God has blessed me be above, beyond measure. He saved my life. My, 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 this is a longer story I can't get into, but he absolutely saved my professional life. Absolutely he did. He saved my financial life because the company that I work for didn't lay me off during COVID like a lot of other companies did. 
He also saved my physical life because he encouraged me to run and told me that I could do something. Now all of a sudden I'm down 40 pounds and my blood sugar's under control. You see what I'm saying? Like you don't know who you're meeting and when you're going through the dark time, how that accountability can pull you through into the next thing. Accountability should be encouraging and not discouraging. It should be the, the thing that tells you to keep going even when you don't want to. It's the thing that says, I've been there. I know it's hard, but you can do hard things. Don't grow weary in well-doing. You will reap the harvest that you're planning today. Don't give up, keep going. Todd was great. Uh, the day before I ran my marathon, I called him up and he knew that I was in my head and he answered the phone. He said, 26.2 hotline. And I said, everything hurts. He goes, yeah, man, your body's gonna lie to you today because it knows that you're about to do something hard. Don't listen to your body. Your, your brain is so much stronger than your body. You keep going. Yes, I know you think your feet hurt. Your feet don't hurt. You think your legs hurt. Your legs don't hurt. In three days, you will understand what feet hurt and leg hurt feels like, but that's not today. You can, you've got it. You can keep going. If you need me in the middle of the day, call me. That's accountability. I know you can do hard things keep going. It looks like my, do- my, my, my wife, who I called about two and a half hours in, and she, I called her to tell her that I'd signed her up for a, um, uh, for a ride. She couldn't sign up because she wasn't on campus. I was on campus, and it was, it was 6 a.m., and so I got to get on my phone and sign her and my kids up for the new Ratatouille ride, which is in the French Pavilion in, in Epcot. I got to sign them up, and they wouldn't have been able to ride it that day had I not done that, which is really cool, you know, part of the magic. And so I call her up, and I tell her, like, hey, I signed you guys up for this. And she goes, I've been tracking you all morning. You're doing great. Man, that's accountability because it encourages you to keep going. It lets you know I'm watching, but you're doing great. I finished the the marathon in six hours, 25 minutes and 41 seconds. That's not a good time. Don't, don't woo. That's a bad time. Most marathons, uh, the cutoff is at six hours. So I really shouldn't have even completed. I would have gotten swept off of earlier routes, right? I did finish. This is, this is true. Six hours, 25 minutes, and 41 seconds. Uh, Shaler actually finished about a full hour faster than I did. He's faster than me. We don't care about him. Um, there is this guy out of Kenya who, in October of 20, uh, 2019, ran the Vienna Marathon in one hour, 59 minutes, and 40 seconds. So he averaged four minutes and 30 seconds per mile. I did 14 minutes and 30 seconds per mile. So there's that. Which leads me to the last lesson, lesson number seven. You guys ready? God doesn't say, well, run. He says, well done. He doesn't say, well, run, my good and faithful servant. He says, well done. I don't, let's go back to that first verse in Philippians. It says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things, that I've already reached perfection. God doesn't require perfection as we run our way, as we run our race. What does he require? But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Just keep running, walking, crawling, scratching, moving forward, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Don't stop. Don't look back. Keep moving. Keep pressing. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. At the end of the race, I got the same medal as everybody else. I got the exact same medal everybody else got. Second Timothy chapter four, verses seven and eight says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me.
the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. It doesn't matter if you've stumbled, if you've cramped up, if, uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you twisted an ankle. It doesn't matter if you have blisters. And I had blisters, bad blisters. They're bad. It doesn't matter. Just finish. I also said, I crossed the finish line. I said, that was awesome. I'll never do it again. (laughs) But God taught me a lot through this process. So I completed my second marathon about three weeks ago. Here's my bonus lesson because I didn't learn this one at Disney. I did it with Todd, my buddy. um, And we, uh, we, uh, we walked the Nashville marathon. We did not run. It took about eight hours. It's still a long way. And uh, what I learned is that, man, it's so much more fun when you're with your friends. It was great to have that experience and have, like, I needed a spiritual experience at Disney World by myself. But, man, walking it with my friend, it's so much better. Surround yourself with people that want to do the walk that you want to do. Surround yourself with people who are living life the way that you want to live. Surround yourself with good people. Go to church, you know, do the whole thing. Be a friend and be an encouragement. So here's the deal. I've told God a long time ago, if he ever gave me a chance to preach, that I would give people a chance to get to know him. And so I'm not going to assume that everybody here um, knows Jesus. So we're going to pray. Can we do that? Is that okay? So here's my question. Is there anybody here, every head up, every eye open, because why not do something different? Is there anybody here who says, I've been on the sidelines and I need to get in the race? I've been around people running for Jesus. but I I need to take a step. Is there anybody here who wants to make that decision? Just raise your hand and we'll keep, we're going to move on to the next thing. Then we're going to pray all at the same time. Anybody? I see it. See it. All right. Is there anybody who said, I've coveted someone else's ministry? or they're healing, and I'm jealous of their pace. Is anybody who needs to ask forgiveness for the coveting and the jealousy in their own heart? I see it. 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 I look in the mirror and I still see it. Has anybody said, I've been living a life of negativity, and I want to repent for my lack of gratitude and not being able to see the magic of the moment. I've been living in my negativity. Anybody? I see it everywhere. All right, is there anybody who wants to say, I just want to be an encouragement to those around me, but I need help. I don't know how to be encouraging. Yeah, okay. Or anybody else who wants to say, I want to be persistent in my faith walk, but I need help because I'm not good at that. Yeah. Father God, you do great things. And the amazing thing is because you've asked us to do this walk with you, that we get to do great things because your strength lies in us. And you don't ask much of us, just everything. So God, for those people who said, I want to get off of the sidelines and join this race. God, I pray for those people that you would have them say, God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Be my savior, my Lord, my very best friend. And I'll take every step with you the rest of the way. God, for those people who are jealous of other people's ministry or, or the pace that they're running, God, I pray that, that, that you would uh, have us see that 
we're moving at God's speed and that's okay. God, I pray that people would be okay letting go their ambition. They'd be okay letting go their pride, that they would just be able to see the goodness of the work that you're doing at the pace that you're doing. And I pray that they would be an encouragement. For those people who don't know how to be an encouraging word, Lord God, I pray that they would get in the scripture and they would look up scriptures of encouragement, that they would first speak them over themselves and then also speak them over their, their friends and their family. God, for the people who have been living a life of negativity, God, I rebuke the liar who says things are terrible. Because God, while things are hard, they don't have to be bad. And so God, I rebuke the devourer who comes and tries to eat away the joy of salvation. I speak life and I speak the scripture that says that you have given us hope and a future. And so I speak hope into negativity right now. I speak future where people have spoken death. God, and I ask that you do a mighty, mighty work. God, and I pray for those who are saying, I will just want to be persistent with my faith. Well, God, I pray that you would remind them that every step is one you celebrate. God, I pray that they wouldn't have to feel like I didn't, I didn't run 10 steps today with Jesus, but that they walked one and that you're happy with that until you ask them to take another one. That they don't have to read their Bible for 14 hours today, but if they meditate on one scripture, that you're happy. God, I pray that, that you would have people do the walk that you have called them to. God, I ask this in your holy and precious name, and I thank you for giving me the strength to keep going, and I pray that it's encouraging for others to know that they can keep going too. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. That's the show, I think. It was something. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> If you did, we definitely want to know about it. You can let us know. You can find us on uh, social media. We are at Dropping Sunday on all of the things. Um, and yeah, for every comment that you leave, we're going to give a dollar to um, Seth Seminary Fund. I mean, I'm sorry, to someone to go to kids camp uh, this summer. That's what we're doing right now. And just help us grow the show. Tell a friend about this episode or another one. And, uh, you know, subscribe to your friends and family. Uh, because we'll be back again next week. Until then, this is Andrea, and that was Seth. And this is Dropping Sunday. <laughs>